Welcome to this God-inspired message from Shofar Christian Church. Enjoy today's message. May you experience the presence of our Father and may you grow deeper in your relationship with Him. Hi there, thanks so much for joining us at our online service. It's a great privilege for me to spend this time with you, wherever you find yourself, and uh, it's a privilege to share the word today. Let's take a moment to pray as we get into the word. Hallelujah, Father, we're so thankful for your presence today. We thank you, Lord, that as we draw near to you in worship, Lord, we thank you that as we consecrate this time to you, we know, Lord, that you've already drawn near to us. As we draw near, you draw near. God, we, we count it a privilege to spend time in your word. We count it a privilege, Lord, to be in your presence. So we thank you for this time, and we thank you for your presence. And we, we consecrate ourselves to you, Lord, and we ask, Lord, come and do your will in us, Lord. Come and do your will through us, Lord. Let your kingdom come, Lord. Let your glory manifest itself and let your name be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. It's a blessing to be able to share the word. And I want to start off with a scripture that you may know. Uh, just a brief context. What I want to read today is um, after, um, after the death of Eli. You know, Eli was a high priest of the Lord and um, things went quite haywire unfortunately at the towards the end of his life and Israelites went into sin and they to try and and be you know they wanted to be victorious in the battle against the Philistines and they actually took the ark of the covenant with them into battle which was a great mistake and um, the ark was captured Eli died um, as long as, even also his two sons in that battle and um, after when hearing that of the news Eli himself died and then there was a period of about 20 years when the ark was not in Jerusalem was not in where it should have been and uh, and uh, I, I want to pick up the the account here where King David 20 odd years later has, has been convicted that he needs to return the ark to um, Jerusalem. So let's read from 2 Samuel uh, chapter 6 from verse 9. David, uh, actually let me just give a little bit of extra context. So what happened is they, they started moving the ark, um, but they did it in an incorrect way and an irreverent way and terrible thing happened. The oxen stumbled. Uzzah, one of the guys, uh, steadied the ark, but just him acting in that irreverent way caused him to die on the spot. And David realized, whoa, we need to do this differently. But then now they had a challenge um, to what to do in the meantime, and that's where we take up the account. So 2 Samuel chapter 6, verse 9, David was afraid of the Lord that day, and he said, How can the ark of the, co- of the Lord come to me? So David would not move the ark of the Lord with him into the city of David, but David took it aside into the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite. The ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite three months, and the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and all his household. 
Now it was told King David saying, it was told King David saying, the Lord has blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that belongs to him because of the ark of God. So David went and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with gladness. So David realized, well, now this guy is getting blessed. Um, so he, he went, took the next step, and he, you know, they prayed through how the process should work, and they took a different approach, and they moved the ark back. But I wanted to focus a little bit on this little window that happened there, these three months. And uh, before this account, there isn't really any, there isn't any mention of this man, Obed-Edom. He's quite unknown. Basically, not a mighty man. I don't think even think he was a soldier of any kind. Um, and uh, doesn't seem to be any man of much stature. And uh, pretty much a nobody, in, in, in some, you know, some would say. But something here happens that maybe he have just happened to be the closest house. And I'm thinking, you know, did, did he ask? Did he ask for the the ark to be at his house, or how did it work? How did it happen? Did David say to him, "Listen, you don't have a choice"? But by the grace of God, whichever way it happened, by the grace of God, it happened that he um, actually said yes. He said yes. Let it's fine if the ark can stay at his house, um, and which turned out to be a very powerful moment in his life now i can imagine if he wasn't a very rich person the ark it must have been quite a inconvenience for them to have this ark in his house you know it must have taken at least one whole room and maybe there weren't that many rooms in the home so i can imagine it must have been a quite a sacrifice a nuisance a, a big thing for them to rearrange their lives to to set aside this space um for the ark so it cost them something but when we look further we see that him making room for the ark in his home turned into such a massive blessing him making room for the presence of god in his house turned into incredible blessing and changed his life forever now if one thinks about the, the challenges around that and how that must have impacted them as a family you know that i'm not sure how old these sons were at that point but it says that he had eight sons so it wasn't a small family um must have been a busy house but often i think these are the kind of questions we, we are challenged with when we have an opportunity or we there is a we, we are offered an opportunity we, we see an opportunity where we could serve god where we could serve the kingdom where we could we would invest in, in the kingdom coming in somebody else's life. And these questions are typical to what he must have faced. What is it going to cost me? What is the impact going to be on my life, work-life balance, on my family, on my children? What's the impact going to be on my finances, on my schedule? Um, and often I, I feel when we, are, when we get overwhelmed with life, we allow that these questions allow to take over our hearts to such an extent that we don't, we don't, we no longer make room for the presence of God. We no longer make room to really seek to build His kingdom in an active way. One of the things I've noticed in my own life is that when this kind of thing happens, when we are faced with these questions, you know, what is this going to cost me? I don't know if I've got capacity in my in my schedule or in my just 
it's just everything going on between children and work. I don't know if I've got capacity for this kingdom thing. I think one of the things, and I find one of the things that, that causes us to start thinking in that way is when, when we start um, trying to fulfill our real, very legitimate thirsts in the created things, in, in creation, instead of finding that fulfillment in the Creator. When we start to lean on the blessings from God and the things that He has created to bless us, and we start to lean on them and try and, and finding our fulfillment, trying to find our fulfillment in them instead of finding mainly our fulfillment in who He is, in Christ Himself, in the Creator. That's often where we, we start getting overwhelmed. We start getting, we start feeling like I don't, I don't have any capacity. I'm running on empty. I, I, I can't, have, I don't have time for this. I know it's important, but I don't have time for it. And I want to just, I'm going to leave that there. I suppose I have to spend the whole sermon on that another time. But where we find our fulfillment plays such a key role in how this pans out in our, in our lives. Let's look at the moment for what this represented. The Ark of the Covenant not only represented the, the presence of God, but it also represented a couple of things. So inside this box that was the Ark, there were the tablets, uh, the stone tablet on, on which the, the, the law was written, the Ten Commandments. They represent, obviously, the, the law. They were the law, but they also represent the Word, the Word of God. Um, his statutes, um, but also what was also in there was a golden pot with manna in it, uh, which represents God's miraculous provision, which was you know um, from the the manna that they received in the wilderness while traveling through the wilderness. And what also was inside there was the Aaron's rod. He had a rod, but that he used. Um, but this rod was also a miraculous rod. It, it uh, it had buds. It budded, um, so it was a dead stick, but it, it, it used to bud as well. So it, it speaks of God's miraculous leading. It, it represents the priesthood. It speaks of God's miraculous direction and leading. And those absolute key factors, if you think about those things, how do we make room for those in our homes, in our lives? And I find, you know, even if we start just with our own family. That's a great place to start, you know, spending time together in the Word, spending time together in prayer, spending time together in, in seeking God's guidance and His, in His leading. You know, and, and let, let's be honest, guys, often it's, it's very difficult, especially when the kids are small. And uh, I'm under no illusion about that. Sometimes it's absolute chaos when we try, when we try to read Scripture together, you know, there's... Um, the dogs in between and the one child wants to do that and the other one is, is, is brain is on that planet and the other one is busy with something else and it's it can be like a zoo in there so I have a lot of respect for that but I've also experienced the blessing of, of really making a habit of spending time together worshipping as a family and spending time in a word together you know recent just recently um I was just blessed to make, actually last night, <laughs> Emily has this thing that even after we've prayed together as a family, when I put her in bed, she says, Daddy, can you please pray for me here in my bed? 
and I'm still figuring out why that is. But somewhere she's figured out that she loves that time of praying together when it's just her and I, and we pray together and we trust for the presence of God. And she's got such a love for that time together, which is amazing. David, on the other hand, he's recently uh, been filled with the Spirit. And he's recently started praying in tongues, which is really encouraging for us. He's such a got a, a new outlook on how that all works and on the person of the Holy Spirit. And that's been such an encouragement to us. And Abigail, of course, she's such a blessing. She's uh she just challenges me from time to time. You know, recently she she had a very powerful dream. Um and I asked her to explain it to us and, and, and she basically described the coming of the Lord. She basically described in quite a lot of detail how Jesus would come on the clouds and how he would take with him those that that he chose and those that, that follow him. A powerful, powerful dream and, and really impactful. And I, I was so encouraged because to be honest with you, maybe this some of you can relate with this. I often, you know, and I you know, Anna is such an amazing mom. But I often have questions, and I often um, question my own ability. Maybe that's part of what the enemy tries to do. You know, he says, but uh, your example isn't good enough for the children, or you this, and he questions our ability as parents, and he puts those seeds of doubt in our hearts. And uh, I, I often wrestle with that, and I have to really press into God and, and really find my security in Him and my identity in Him. And I want to encourage you, if you're in that place, to deliberately press into God and, and trust Him for that for that security of your identity in Him. It's not my ability as a dad that that is, makes the final uh, difference. It's is the grace of God on our family and His presence in our home. And and we see this similar thing in um, Obed Edom's house. We see. Him opening up his house for the presence of God. We see him at cost to his family, at cost to his his space and his his comfort. He opens up his home for the ark, for the presence of God, and then the and then the blessing of God comes in such abundance. It says that everything he had was blessed, everything he owned was blessed, all of his household was blessed. And if we look a bit further, we see a bit more of that. I want to read a bit more of that um, in First uh, Samuel uh, chapter 6. Uh, just what we read before, it said, The ark remained there for three months, and the Lord blessed him and all his household. And it says, it blessed, everything that belongs to him was blessed. And then I want to read further in First Chronicles chapter 26, from verse 4. It says, The sons of Obed-Edom, also gatekeepers, were with Shemaiah, the oldest, Jehoshaphat, it goes through the whole list of his eight sons, and, and then it says, God had richly blessed Obed-Edom. Obed-Edom's son, Shemaiah, had son with great ability, who earned positions of great authority in the clan. Their names were Othni, Raphael, Obed, and Elzabad. Their relatives, Elihu and Semachiah, were also very capable men. All of these descendants of Obed-Edom, including their sons and grandsons, 62 of them all, were very capable men, well qualified for their work. And it seems like there was such a powerful legacy of blessing that started when Obed-Edom decided to position himself and his family in relation to the kingdom of God coming. 
And what I found really interesting is we see that after those three months had passed, he had a choice. You know, the, the, the ark was removed from his home and it was moved back to the city of David, to his rightful place. And he had a choice. He could either be kind of live off those incredible God moments, those three months that changed his life forever. You could, you could have, excuse me, you could have easily just kind of lived off that, that revelation and that powerful God encounter that he had for a long time. But he did something really powerful. He moved with the presence of God. It says that he became a gatekeeper. He became a gatekeeper that, to the ark and the, uh, and later on, he's mentioned among the worshippers, among, amongst the Levites that worshipped and praised before the Lord. So he became a worship leader. So he, that, that, those three months where he opened up his home for the kingdom to come in his home and for the, for the, for the presence of God changed his life forever. And I believe I can see that there was a hunger in his heart to grow in this. And not only did he grow in that, but he grew in ministry. He grew in his capacity to serve, his capacity to minister. And, and we see this godly legacy going from generation to generation. His sons and sons' sons. Powerful, powerful. And I want to challenge us, guys. And you know, like I said, starting with something simple like worshiping together as a family. One of the, th uh, besides the amazing work that our band have been doing in, in ministering to us in such a powerful way from their homes. Thanks so much, guys. Um, our, our family has also been blessed recently by a specific song, which I want to mention to you. It's called The Blessing. And it's one of the reasons why it's so powerful is that because it's mostly scripture. Um, there's also an Afrikaans version called Dician. And we're going to add it to the playlist after this message. So you, I want to encourage you at the end to... To choose the Afrikaans or English one, whichever you prefer, and to take a moment to, to, to sing that and to pray that blessing over your family, over your home. But I want to also encourage us to, to position ourselves for that blessing. To position ourselves. And again, it, it starts small with just you and the family, you and your children, you know, your husband and wife together. But I'll what I see in Obed Edom's life is he went above and beyond. He said, I want to open my home for what God wants to do. Maybe that means stepping out in faith. Maybe that means coming, you know, joining Bible school over Zoom, growing in your faith in that way. Maybe it means uh, trusting God for capacity to help facilitate small group. Maybe that means to, to really just position your life in a way where you're able to to sow into others' faith, to sow into somebody else's walk with God, to deliberately put time aside to disciple somebody or to just walk around, you know, walk alongside somebody, just, you know, um, sowing and but also receiving. I want to encourage us, guys. It's I find it's easy for me to sometimes bank on the past you know maybe as a, as a young believer or as a student or young working person like myself I remember those years I I spent every every available moment pursuing the kingdom every available moment was at church or on mission or preparing for a mission or doing some kind of outreach and when you look again life happens your time evaporates as the children as, as you get married or as children arrive 
And it's so easy for us to fall into a pattern of, I'm just getting by and I'm just maintaining. I'm actually still living on that God encounter of some years past, or I'm actually still living off that instruction from God, maybe a couple of years ago, or and I haven't pursued him for a new instruction or pursued him for a new encounter. I want to challenge us that what is God saying today? What is God calling you and your family for today? I'm not saying give up all your time and give up all your finances. Although the, the Lord, the, the scripture does speak of blessings when we do that. But it is, I'm not saying inquire of the Lord. How can you position yourself in your small how can you sow in your small group can you help to facilitate can you get involved in, in intercession can you uh, you know is do you have opportunity to do for the maybe join bible school over zoom which actually makes it a lot more accessible to many how can you position yourself and your family into in what god is saying right now how god is calling you to serve right now and um, uh, Ephesians 4, I just want to mention it. it, it corroborates us where it says that, you know, we all as saints are called to do the work of the ministry. But the thing that catches us often there is, it says that doing the work of the ministry brings us to a place of maturity in Christ. Often we get stuck on this thought that I have to be on some level of maturity or of perfection or some level of perfection before I can do any kind of ministry. But Ephesians 4 specifically says that as we do the work of the ministry, we come to a place of maturity. I want to encourage you to change the way we think that we would say, Lord, how can I minister? How can I open my life, my family, my home for what you're doing? Obviously, in this in this season, it's difficult. It's stuffs happening over Zoom. It's challenging, but I want. But let's not look at the limitations. Let's trust God for His direction. How can we invest? How can we open up our home for His presence, for His kingdom to come, for His glory to be manifested? Not only for the blessing, but you know the word says that we should count the cost. And I want to say yes. Do count the cost. Count the cost. Time-wise, finance-wise, etc. But when you are counting the cost, also count the blessing. Count the blessing that God is going to pour out. Take into consideration what happens when we position ourselves in that place. I have found that the moments where I have sacrificially served and given and positioned myself and my family to serve those are the moments that we've grown the most. Those are the moments that we look back to and celebrate. Those are the moments which are so precious to us. Let's embrace those. Let's, let's make those moments more. Let's trust God to, to, set, to, to position our lives around His kingdom and His glory and what He's doing. Often when we when we get stuck in that that overwhelmed feeling of oh, there's so much happening already, I don't I can't I can't imagine I've got any capacity. And especially this is especially when in that season where we we're working hard at at building our career, and at the same time we 
you're still getting used to marriage at the same time we're dealing with babies and small kids and toddlers that's an absolutely crazy phase of life to be honest you know i'm reminded of a congregation where i had the privilege of serving years ago where 90 percent of our congregation was young families with very small children and babies and i from a from a practical point of view the the capacity of that congregation to serve was very very limited but i was amazed to see how families positioned themselves around the kingdom and around the the, the kingdom of god coming and what what, I, what blessed me the most was to see how god honored that how these blessing rests on those family even families today even i can see that I remember moms, you know, breast doing a quick breastfeed around the corner before leading worship, and then the little one would be there in the in the cot, you know, baby seat, just in the in the front in the front row. But just a powerful dynamic of, and that's while while dad was doing the sound <laughs> setup, uh, mixing as well in the back. And uh, but I remember how those families experience his blessing and, and so are still experiencing that blessing today so i want to encourage us to to position ourselves around that as i close i want to read from psalm chapter 84 um, from verse 9 for for a day in your courts is better than a thousand i would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my god than dwell in the tents of wickedness for the lord is Lord God is a sun and shield. Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the man who trusts in you. This seems to be right from the life of Obed-Edom. He was a doorkeeper. He was a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord and a worshiper. And he positioned himself to receive this blessing from God. I want to encourage us to do the same. And today, if, if you don't know His presence at all, maybe you are new to this whole Christian thing. Maybe you have not yet stepped into a relationship with Him. I want to encourage you as we pray now to pray with me. As we submit ourselves to Him, we give up control of our lives. And we say, we, we, we call Him Lord. We call Christ our Lord, we call God our Father, and we choose to follow Him, which means that He is in charge. He calls the shots, and He decides what's important. And that submission to what, what His agenda is so difficult, but it's so important. And I want to encourage you, if you're doing this, maybe if you're praying this kind of prayer for the first time, I want to encourage you to to make connect with us we'd love to pray with you we'd love to to connect with you in some way if you need prayer or if you just like to connect with us please make use of the link in the description we'd love to to get to know you but let's let's pray together lord hallelujah father we're so thankful we thank you for your presence we thank you for your word today Oh God, we pray that right now that you would stir in our hearts a hunger and a thirst for more of you, Lord. God, I pray that you would stir in our hearts a, a desire to know you more, Lord. A, 
uh, almost a place of discontentment with the revelation of the past, but a, a desire to grow in our revelation, a desire to, to pursue you, Lord, that we would have daily fresh encounters in your presence, God. Lord, I pray that you'd stir our hearts, Lord, that we would pursue you, Lord, pursue your kingdom, pursue your righteousness first before anything else. Lord, give us grace to position our lives, our families around your kingdom, around your purpose, around your glory, Lord, in Jesus' name. And God, in Jesus' name, we humble our hearts before you. And specifically for those that have, have never bowed the knee before Christ, we choose to bow our knee before you, Lord. We choose to turn away from our sin. We thank you, Jesus, that you paid the price for each one. And Lord, as we, as we turn to follow you as Lord and Savior, as we turn to follow you as our King of Kings, Lord, take control of our lives. Be our King of Kings. Be our King of Glory, Lord, in Jesus' name. Direct our steps, Lord. Take control. I'm no longer in control, Lord. You are in control. You are my King of Glory. Let your kingdom come, Lord, in my life and through, through our lives and in our lives, in our families, through our families. In the name of Jesus, stir in our hearts, Lord, where you want us to serve and get involved, whether it be small group or Bible school or prayer, wherever, Lord, stir our hearts for your kingdom and for your glory, God, in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for spending this time with you. I want to encourage you to take a moment to sing, uh, to pray and prophesy that there's one of two, one of those songs English Afrikaans one over your family and I want to encourage you to respond to this word and allow the blessing of God to come Amen thanks so much God bless Thanks for listening to this message from Shofar Christian Church we believe that you enjoyed your time with us, establishing God's kingdom and His glory in your life. For more info, call us on 012-362-1363. Email us, pretoria at shofaronline.org. Browse our website, www.shofaronline.org. Or like us on facebook.com forward slash shofarpretoria. <laughs>